The following podcast is a Dynasty Kingdom production. Yo, 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 what's going down, everybody? Welcome back to another episode on Sundays with Mike and Diana. We are so glad that you guys are back here with us again, man. And if this is your first time, a special thank you to you guys, man. Such an honor for you guys to be here. Well, before we get started, let's go ahead and go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we'd like to just thank you right now for allowing us to be here today. We want to thank you for allowing our guests to be here through the airways father god we pray that you bless their hearts god we pray that you be with them we pray that you increase their relationship with you father god and we just thank you so much for all these things in jesus name we pray amen amen what's going down (laughs) how you feeling honey i am at my baseline i'm feeling a two feeling a two yeah nice how are you feeling oh you don't want to elaborate just two and that's it (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm just at a two today. There's really not much to elaborate on. How are you? Uh, I'd have to say that I am at a 4.5. Oh, above the base. Above. I would have to say I'm at a 4.5 because um, I got to see some lions today. You I know? know. It was pretty awesome to see, uh, you know, the, those big of animals just like they rest like 18 to 20 hours a day. 21 to 23 man mm-hmm. and just to find out also that the lionesses they really are the real hunters you know what i'm saying <laughs> like they go put in that work and then they call daddy in if they really need that, that big extra hit, kill, you know that yeah. that extra you know power on it but i just thought it was really cool that the women were like you know ultimately the ones that get the get it in yeah so that was cool. And then, uh, yeah, I got some rest myself. I felt like a lion today yeah. myself. You and know? you got to feed a giraffe today. Yeah, and I got to feed a giraffe. So, you know, <laughs> the honestly. The only one in uh, Nevada. I don't know how many people got to say that they did that today. Yeah, that's and, true. you know, so I'm pretty, feeling good. Good. Yeah. Good. So what are we reading today? Today we are going to be reading God Makes a Promise to Abram. And we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 14, all of 14. And then we'll be reading chapter 15 up until verse 7. Coming out of the children's book, when Lot chose the richest land, he also chose to live near Sodom. This was a very wicked city. The people there sinned much against the Lord. At first, Lot did not move into Sodom. He just moved near it. But it wasn't long before the city attracted him and he moved in. Not long after that, Sodom got caught up in a war. Sodom teamed up with four other cities and rebelled against the king who ruled them. Sodom and his allies were defeated. Then the king looted the city and carried many people away captive, including Lot and all he owned. Abram went with all 318 of the men from his household and rescued Lot and the other captives. It was a great victory. After this, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, God said. I will take care of you. I will give you great blessings. But what good are all these blessings? Abram asked God. I have no son to inherit my wealth. You will have a son, God answered. Look at the stars. Can you count them? You will have more people in your family someday than you can count. Abram believed God, and God saw Abram's great faith. 
God called him a godly person because Abram had so much faith in God. I am the Lord who brought you from Ur, God said to Abram. I brought you here to give you this land. Abram listened to God. He knew that God would do special things for him. Abram would be very thankful for every good gift. Abram rescues Lot. About this time, war broke out in the region. King Amraphel of Babylonia, King Arioch of Elisar, King Dadorlamar of Elam, and King Tadal of Goim fought against King Bera of Sodom, King Birsha of Gomorrah, King Shanab of Adma, King Shemabur of Zebolim, and the king of Bela, also called Zor. I'm sure I just messed no, I all of great. that up. <laughs> the second group of kings joined forces in Sidim Valley, that is, the Valley of the Dead Sea. For 12 years, they had been subject to King Kedorlamar, but in the 13th year, they rebelled against him. One year later, Kedorlamar and his allies arrived and defeated the Rephites at Ashtaroth, Karname, the Zuzites at Ham, the Emites at Shava, Kirathium, and the Horites at Mount Seir, as far as El Paran, at the edge of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, now called Kadesh, and conquered all the territory of the Amalekites and all the Amorites living in Hazan, Hazazan, Tamar. I'm glad I'm not being judged on all of these names. You get the point. Lots of kings, right? Then the rebel kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Bela, also called Zor, prepared for battle in the Valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King Kedorlamar of Elam, King Tadal of Goim, King Amraphel of Babylonia, and King Arioch of Elisar, four kings against five. As it happened, the valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits, and as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre the Amorite. Mamre? Maybe Mamre. Mamre and his relatives Eshkol and Aner were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Kador Lamor's army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedor Lamer's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hoba, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. Melchizedek blesses Abram. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Lamer and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek 
Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. The Lord's Covenant Promise to Abram Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. Woo! Butchered those names. A lot of names. (laughs) Good thing that we have simplified names today. Oh my gosh. Holy smokes. I, I know I messed somebody up. That's all right. Remember, where did Lot move? He moved to Sodom. He moved close to Sodom Close at first. to Sodom, yeah. Outskirts of Sodom, pretty much. Yeah, it's like yeah. living in Henderson, and then Vegas is right there. Why was this a bad choice? Well, per our last read, when they divided the land, it kind of gave a little clue that, you know, even though it looked like the best, like the best piece of land, it was near a place that wasn't really good. Yeah, and it spoke on the people that, like, lived there, too. They, like, they, they like, were against God. Yeah, know? like, they didn't, yeah, there's an absence of God. So it's, like, it looks really nice. You know, the yeah. water is flowing, and you got this nice piece of land, but, mm, Looks can be looks deceiving. Looks can be deceiving, yeah. Yeah. How did Abram rescue him? Ugh. Uncle, he he didn't. Uncle came through with three hundred eighteen family members. Yes, because they were all born or like people yeah. that was like of his household. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think that's pretty beautiful too. That even though that they like worked for him essentially, like that was his tribe. Like you're my, they mobilized like an army. Man, they were family. quick too. As soon as he got word, yeah. like as soon as he heard like lot got taken, yeah, he said, "Oh no, it's smoke time." Now my nephew, <laughs> man, that's so cool. What great promise did God make to Abram? That he would give him descendants, you know, like more than he could count, more than the number of stars in the sky. He did all this for Lot, who's his nephew and kind of like a son in in a way. But back in those times, you wanted descendants to kind of outlive you, just carry on your legacy and to take over your land and your property. And, you know, he didn't have that. He was older, too, so I can see him feeling a little bit discouraged like what good are all your blessings if i don't really have anyone to share them with i get that yeah yeah i get that it's like having all the things but it's like what good are they if i don't have family yeah did abram believe him yes he did that's why god he was pleased with him He, he thought of him as faithful because he actually believed i thought that was so powerful i highlighted it the first time because 
we often talk about believing it before we see it. Mm. So God knows if you really believe something Man, or not. You can say it. like, oh yeah, like I have faith, but like he knows. He knows yeah. if you really trust in what he's saying or showing you before it's even a thing. Man, yeah, that's good. Discover, should you always believe God's promises? Yes, and this is me speaking as someone who has not always believed his promises. I haven't always believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. But the more that I, I guess, strengthen my faith like Abram did, the more he's shown himself faithful to me. It's like, you know, like I can just tell like, oh, because you believe, like I'm, I'm just going to put extras on it now, you mm-hmm. know? And that's what he did essentially for Abram. Abram wanted one son, a son, a descendant. God said, oh, well, look at, look at all the stars in the sky i'm gonna outnumber the number of family members that will be in your lineage the things that's gonna come from your lineage so i thought that was amazing yeah what about you i would say yes you should always believe and i think going back to what you said believe in it before you see it yeah god said abram look into the sky see if you can count the stars and i'm just imagining myself sitting on my porch at night looking up to the sky and God's at my right. And he's like, Michael, look into the sky, man. Can you count the stars? And I'd probably be like, no, nah, God, I probably can't count the stars. Count. Mm-hmm. I can't count those stars. He'd be like, that's how many children I'm gonna give you. Mm. Ooh, you know what's so good about what you just said too? I think when we look up into the sky, especially in a place like Vegas, where it's like the city, there's only so many stars we can count. But the faith in it is like, there's millions of stars out there that we just, we cannot see. Our human eye literally can't see it. But that doesn't mean that they're not there. And they're still shining, still on purpose. And kids in this sense or descendants in this sense is is anything, I feel. It's like those big dreams that he's placed in your heart. If he told you you're going to get that degree, like believe him. If he said you're going to have that home, believe him. If he said you're going to land your dream job, believe him. Yeah. And one of God's promises that I'm believing him for is to remove me out of a nine to five and bring me into the gifting and the camera work that he's given me. I obviously struggled in the beginning to believe it, Mm. but now I'm at a place that I believe it and I'm beginning to receive some of it because I'm being obedient in the time of not seeing. And that may look different for you in your own life. That thing that's on your heart that won't leave you alone, it's something that God has promised you. Yes, so good. And he wants you to believe it before you see it. Because if you saw it, you wouldn't need to believe in it. Yeah. Everything that you have on your heart, God wants to bring that to fruition. Not by coincidence that you don't stop thinking about it. It's not by coincidence why you don't stop feeling it. And the crazy thing about it is if you don't believe it, it will torment you in the disbelief. Mm. Because you will never bring that thing to fruition because it's going to take God to do it. Yeah. And God's not going to do it by your power alone. It's something that he put in you. So he needs you to believe that he put it in you for him to bring it out of you. It's just cool to know that Abram had the knowing and the belief, even though he was old in age, that he was going to have descendants that outnumbered the stars, man. I couldn't even imagine that. I know. Just thinking about what you said, two things stuck out to me. The first, I don't think it, you could have said it any better because I didn't always have language for it. But when you said that thing that won't leave your heart alone, that's God's promise. Yeah. I think that's so good to just stop and pause on 
because I think so many of us don't stop long enough to listen to that yearning in our heart. Like, yeah, it would be nice to do that, but I have a nine to five, or I can't do that because my kids, or I can't do this because like I'm too old now, or like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have these things to try to talk ourselves out of the promises that he's kept, but we're never done. Until we're in the grave, we're never done. So those promises are always gonna be there it's great how you mentioned that because for a long time just not knowing god's voice and not being able to discern it it does feel like a torment because it's almost like man i want this or like i really you yearn for it but it's almost out of your reach because you don't know that it's a promise he's made to you it changes when you realize that oh it's a promise meaning it's going to happen versus it's it may come to pass you know The other thing that you mentioned touches on our in-person Bible study, which if you're a local, you want to catch those because they're just, it's just different. It's more intimate. It's amazing. And we spoke about that, that the torment of that promise can turn into punishment in a sense, like self-punishment, self-inflicted, because we think of punishment sometimes as very manual or like repercussions for actions, like very like bad, don't do this, like the consequences are that. But sometimes it's just that stress or that anxiety or how you said just that torment of like it won't leave your mind because it just you haven't done it it's not even that you haven't done it it's that you don't step into it yes that he has to be the one to do it in you yeah because a lot of us get stuck at what we can do yeah and if you don't believe in yourself i think it's important to believe in his power Just me having a bird's eye view into you doing all that you're doing, which is incredible for those that know you personally and know your testimony. There's no way that they can doubt the God in your life because I know they've seen where you've been. I remember you taking a step out on faith, trying this thing that you were called to, which was the photography and videography, and still doing it even now while working a nine to five and maybe you didn't always believe in yourself or maybe you didn't always think you were good enough or maybe you felt like like why am i doing this but i think it's cool that you didn't doubt the god in you and that god placed that gift in your heart for a reason and you just moved on that it didn't look like a drastic change like okay I have to, my life has to change baby steps you borrowed a co-worker's camera you started taking some pictures It wasn't even for like nothing like it wasn't for profit it wasn't for anything other than like this is a joy of mine i love creating and storytelling and doing all of those things and just through that work through your obedience the belief grew the faith grew the confidence grew even right now our setup wouldn't have been possible if you didn't even move on what he said there would be no podcast there would be no camera there would be no mic there would be no headphones there would be no mic harrison this is just like cool it's just cool how he just puts extras on it because you just wanted to take pictures and god said oh no dynasty dynasty kingdom production (laughs) wow all right apply God always keeps his promises. Yes, he does. Should you? Ooh, that was good. I hate when this little children's book turns it back on us because it's that reflection piece. Man. (laughs) Yes, he should. Yes, we should. And the older I get, the more I take this 
to heart, keeping my word, and not just to others, but to myself. It's like cutting myself short, and it's showing God that he cannot trust me with more because maybe I'm just not fulfilling just the promises that come out of my mouth. Little promises, big promises, all of it. Yeah. And I don't have kids, but for some reason, this is coming up for me, if you have kids, I think it's really important to keep your promises to them in small ways. It really makes a big difference. Even if you're tired, even if you're stressed, even if they don't always deserve it because essentially you're their teacher and you're modeling behavior that they're going to one day grow up and emulate. So promises are so important to me to keep. I just think back to times when I've been promised things Mm -hmm. by people and when the promise wasn't kept. Ugh disappointing yeah like you know just anything that you've vocalized and said to you to do something you didn't bring that to completion and both sides i feel like are hurt because you as a person you know that oh man i feel bad that i didn't keep my word but then the person on the other end that's receiving the lack of promise being kept is like am i deserving why didn't they keep their word for me what is it about me Mm. I think what's important about what the Bible mentions regarding belief and promises is that they're both bold things that God is asking of us, especially in today's day and age where it's silly to dream big, it's silly to believe in things that you haven't seen, it's silly to keep promises, like it all sounds very juvenile, but it's in those things. I think that's why I love the children's book so much is because his lessons are elementary foundational basic 101 if you can't do the basic 101 forget advanced skills (laughs) it just isn't as important to god he wants to know can you believe in me when you don't necessarily see it will you lose faith when you think that thing is not in motion because you don't see movement are you going to keep your promise when things get hard you can pretend that it doesn't hurt when a promise is broken to you but it's all a covenant to god i think as people it honors him in such a cool way and it just honors you when you can just do what you said you were gonna do like right now my husband and i are both tired but we said we were gonna film a podcast so we're filming it and not out of obligation but because we're keeping our word and not to you all to what God has placed on our hearts as a promise to put forth. Even if that touches nobody but us, like, right? So that's what it's about. I think it's just about character and what people don't see. There's a lot of things in your life, I'm sure, in our lives that just you don't see, but God sees it. God saw Abram. You think God doesn't know that Abram is yearning for a son? He's pulled in so many different directions. He just went into battle for his nephew, and in his place of peace, he comes back and he tells God, thank you for blessing me, and thank you for making me a blessing to be able to help my nephew, but honestly, I want a son. And God said, you think that's not already in motion? Like, look up. I'm, I'm still working. I'm still God. Are you going to trust me? I'm going to give you a son at just the right time. You don't have to worry about that. We don't need to worry about the details. God will give us our promises if we hold just true to our faith and our belief. You have to believe before you can see it. Mm-hmm. Or you won't see it. And it's just that simple. Okay. Abram wouldn't have never got anything that he received. If he didn't first activate his faith by doing the works and by the works, he believed off of the faith. And now he's able to receive what God has promised Mm -hmm. because he's been faithful. He's been believing 
and he did the works. You can't have one without the other. And I think it's just so cool that the things that are instilled in our hearts and the things that we know is things that we should do is something that God promises. Like, it's just cool to know that God promised you to be a therapist. Like you said, hey, that's crazy. You're not going to understand why I'm bringing you through all this turmoil, but you'll get it soon. It may not look like you're going to make it into this program, but you will. You may not believe that you have what it takes to complete this program, but I'm going to bring you through it. Mm. And now you're at the conclusion. You've gone through the program. Now you're about to walk into what he's promised you. And the arms that are receiving you are so welcoming. And I feel like when you do what God tells you to do, it's going to come easy at the end of it. At the end. It's just too easy. Everything (laughs) along the way, the battles, the turmoil, the hurts, all the things are on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, because we're not operating in faith, because we're not operating in belief, because we're operating in self, that's why we don't see those things come to fruition because we stop before it Mm. just about happens. Right before. But this walk that we walk with God really takes all three. If one's missing, it just won't work. What are the three? If the faith isn't there, or if the work isn't there, or if the belief is not there, it takes all three. You can't have works without the faith. You can't have faith without the belief. They all go hand in hand. So whatever you're believing God for, whatever God has put on your heart, how are you working for it? How are you believing for it? And where does your faith lie in that? Do you have belief that God will bring that to fruition for you? Do you have faith that he will bring that to fruition for you? And are you doing the work to show him that you want him to bring that to fruition for you? When it's hard, when it doesn't seem like there's a way, are you still being faithful? Are you still opening his word? Are you still talking to him? Or are you talking to the people around you to try to get sympathy about what's going on? And another thing is that Abram's faith was so large because he always knew to come to God first. And I think a lot of us don't know how to come to God first. We'll pick up our phone. We'll call somebody. We might even reach to somebody that's right next to us. But ultimately, God is the one that needs to come first. That's where we all get our direction from. That's where we all should get our direction from. So that's just my takeaway is just... You can't have one without the other. You know, really search yourself and believe God for what he's telling you because he wants it for you so bad. I know. I do picture him like that. He's our father, but I almost picture God, God's inner child, that nagging of like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Like, you promised me. Like, like I placed it there. Like, it's a gift. It's ready for you to open it. Like, come on. It's going to be great if you just open it up, if you just activate it. And some of us never do. Yeah. Well, I think you can pray us out. Okay, all mine's clear. Dear Heavenly Father, increase our boundaries to believe deeper and fuller and larger in you, Father God. We thank you right now that we accept faith as an active process in our lives, Father God. It does take work to be activated, Father God. We can't simply just believe in And things just happen. You want to see us do our part. You want to believe us believing in ourselves to do our part, Father God. And we're just so grateful that we're called and that you've placed promises in our hearts that are just unique to us and what we're going through and all that you've called us to be, Father God. We receive them with open arms. It's not to say that we're not scared or we're not nervous or apprehensive, but we know that you're our first call whenever those feelings do arise and we trust in you right now to settle our spirits however we may be feeling to all of the listeners who are listening 
on today, Father God, whatever you have called them to do, we just ask that you do a miraculous wonder in their lives, that you continue to expand the limitations they've placed on their own life, Father God, and turn to you for direction and guidance and all that you call them toward. We thank you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Sundays with Mike and Diana. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. If you're in the Las Vegas area, join us for our in-person Bible study every third Saturday of the month at 10 a.m. And don't forget to connect with us at underscore Sundays podcast. Thanks for listening. See you for Bible study next week. Light work. work.